check one, two, one, two. Mm -hmm. All right. So for those who happened to follow the Twitter account and saw that we were going live at 715 Central, psych I lied. <laughs> psych I lied. We, we, <laughs> we're live now. Uh, so without further ado, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this and welcome to the podcast that wants to salute the Nuggets for going four for four. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you know, I, I do my thing. I do my things here and there. Um, you tune into another episode of It's a Black and White Thing with A One A Ward. I'm one half of the dynamic duo A One. You can call me Dan. I'm also a black man who does a podcast with A Ward. Um, you can check us out on every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, wherever you find the good podcast getting uh into the podcast by searching it's a black and white thing or at brains and bars you can check us out on, on youtube right now as well by searching at brains and bars and that same handle applies to our facebook our twitter and ig and as you can see i don't do this uh show by myself i got the good homie a in the building what's going on with you what's going on y'all it's good to be back um we're just watching a commercial for Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey versus the Splash, Splash Brothers golf coming up in Vegas. So I just got back from Vegas, and then I look over and see Vegas. So I think that's a sign that I should probably return and go watch the, that that happen. So um, so maybe maybe that'll happen. <laughs> that that actually would be pretty dope, though. Yeah, actually go see them. I mean, I, I've never been to a golf event, um, so yeah. So, you know, I think that would be pretty cool to actually, if that would be my first time going to check one out, I think that'd be pretty dope. Yeah. All right. So got an interesting show lined up for you tonight. We got obviously NBA finals talk, got a little bit of NFL gambling talk. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about Dame Lillard. Dang, I forgot to do one thing. I'm going to see if I can do this while we have this conversation. All right. All right so um, let's, let's get this, let's get this started. Let's start obviously with the NBA finals. Denver Nuggets wrap up um, a phenomenal postseason. They win their first championship in NBA franchise history. What is that? They walked them? They walked them down, like you said, every time. Walked them down. We're every gonna time you absolutely the heat, we're going to take off. They got walked down. Absolutely. Salute Mama Ward in the building. Um, hope, you have a, hope, hope you're having a great day. Yeah, so, you know, NBA Finals wrapped up. NBA season wrapped up yesterday, uh, at least for the 2022-23 season. Denver Nuggets win their first championship uh, four games to one over the Miami Heat. And, I mean, there's really – first of all, I want to salute Miami. Um, this has been a stellar run for them. Um, no one except for them and maybe their fans thought that they were going to be in this position of being NBA Finals. It's been repeated ad nauseum during this entire run. They were down three to the Chicago Bulls, three minutes left in the in, in the playing game. That was the elimination game uh, to face the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. And from that point on, it has truly been like you. I mean, this is probably the greatest. This is the greatest Cinderella run since the Knicks in 99 when they made it all the way to the NBA finals. And I believe they got swept by the Spurs, um, by the Spurs. It might have been four one, but either, either way, gentlemen, sweep or sweep. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's one of the two. It's one of the yeah. two. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, it was an incredible run for them. Um, 
you are right. It was a gentleman's sweep, I believe. I'm just looking this up right now. They were able If I'm not mistaken, I, I think I remember reading that they were the first eight seed to win an away game in the NBA Finals or something. So I'm, I'm guessing the Knicks won. They won, the, um, they won their home game. They won a home game. So, yeah, it was uh, – it was, it was, they were the first eight seed to win an away game in the Finals or something like that. Yep. So magical run. Um, and I feel like this run – I would have to go back and look at the Knicks' history on their run to see if they had, like, if they took down, like, a one. It was a one, it was a, a one, a five, and a two on their way to the chip. So I don't, I don't know if the Knicks ne- necessarily collected that many impressive teams that they knocked off along the way. But I mean, Miami. And, and was the Spurs a one on the other side? Um, I'd have to check. I have to check on that. Let me see if I can find that out real quick. Because Denver was the one, right? So there was technically Denver the one. Was the one. Denver was the one on that side. This is basketball reference. It's not what I want. I'm looking for the wiki page on it. Yes, the Spurs were the number one seed in the Western yep. Conference on their side. So, so yeah. So I mean, you know, history kind of repeating itself in that way, mm-hmm. and, and much like this series. Uh, back in 99, this was just a team that was overmatched. Um, and again, I know they were like, we're tired of hearing about our three-point shooting. We're tired of hearing about um, us having seven undrafted players on the team. But guys, like you're – so I, I mean, I don't know why you would be tired of hearing that. I, I get it. They're NBA players. They're quality players. But it's shocking. You shouldn't mm-hmm. have beaten Milwaukee. You shouldn't have beaten. And to me, this is a testament to the mental fortitude of this team. And, yes, to the incredible shooting. So I want to bring the stats up. So because last week we talked about this, that at at this time last week, that the the Miami Heat Wave, you know, that's what I'm going to call the trio of Martin Robinson and Vincent, were shooting 43% from three in the playoffs. Had they been able to win the championship, they would have surpassed – the Splash Brothers with KD and 17, who shot 41% when they won the championship, right? So 40, they shot 41, 43% to that point. Regression, we talked about that last week as well. It finally happened. They came crashing back to earth. Now, overall in the playoffs and in the finals, that triumvirate shot 41% from the field. Um, and in games one through three, they shot 41%, 63%, and 50 percent respectively but in games four and five they were four for 22 uh 19 percent if you round up um in the final two games and that in part was part of the reason why they they lost but also this is where i give the kudos to the denver nuggets they were an incredibly resilient team it did not matter what happened it did not matter the the lead that a team built up at some point they were going to walk you back down and i have to look this up um, I don't know if Denver had a double-digit loss the entire playoff run. Um, hmm. I, I'm not sure. I'm actually going to look this up live. I'm not sure. But, I mean, what do you want to say about the Denver Nuggets while I look that up? And, and well, their- what I do want to say is that I think this is one instance of you hear this term in, in basketball all the time, live by the three, die by the three. You know, and if there is a if there is an instance, um, this one is it. You know, NBA Finals. Um, I believe, um, I was told this weekend that, uh, as far as the spread goes on the over under 12 of, of Miami's 13 playoff wins, um, the, they, they won the game 
and they hit the over. So, no, they, they won the game and they hit the over because they were hitting three-pointers at a 45, 60, 57% clip, you know? Um, and so that's that's basically how, you know, how they win their ball games. It wasn't, you know, like in the first game where they said, oh, you know, we're going to force Jokic to dribble six or seven times in the paint and make him pass. I mean, those are good ideas. But at the end of the day, you win, they won, you know, the games that they went crazy from three, and then they lost the games that they didn't. And what's wild is, like, I believe in game um, game four, game four ended up being what? Maybe like a, a – was it a, was it, it was a couple uh, games that were like close like close game three game three and game four I f- no game four they pulled away game four okay, and the yeah. finals they pulled away um I think game, so game three one, and game five game five is was relatively close um game two the Heat the only game that they won the Heat again again they were up by nine with like three point with uh, about three minutes left yeah in the um. Stonewalled them down the stretch, and then they had a mm-hmm. Jamal Murray three. Um, I feel like game one, they it got a little tight. Remember, they had they kind of they had a big lead. The Heat got it down to probably about eight or nine, but they couldn't get it any lower than that, and they ended up winning by eleven. And I am looking this up. They did not have a double digit loss this entire run. Um, yeah, and uh, and and I mean. All, all of the final games were within a couple possessions. You know, the Heat didn't – I mean, they lost 4-1, to one, but they were all within the final possessions. And it's about – it's that three-pointer going in on that possession that you needed to. You remember seeing Duncan Robinson have two wide-open looks, you know, missing them both. You've seen Jimmy Butler have two, two looks after the, the phantom, you know, three-point foul call that we watched last night, you know, that doesn't, doesn't fall, you know. And the other thing about the double-digit the double digit losses, people will say, well, they're a one seed. They're not supposed to lose by double digits. This NBA, guys, losing by 10 is like losing by four in college. You know, <laughs> like that's how fast points are scored, you know, and that's that's just how quickly foul calls happen and different things. A 10-point loss is 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 not, you know, it, it, it's not something that's super rare that a one seed wouldn't see. So you're muted. You're muted. You're muted. So now you are. All right, my bad, my bad. I disagree with the homie Los, man. He said that. I do. Now, I, do I, I agree with the first one he, he said. He said the I do too. match. I do the, too. The, the final score of the final game being misleading was not. Like that game, mm-hmm. Miami, I mean, shot to Jimmy Butler. I think the ankle was a little bit more of a of a deterrent than we know. Maybe we'll hear him having some type of – I mean, I guess it's just rest. I don't think he need to have any type of surgery on it, but – um, I don't think the explosiveness was there. I don't think the lift was there. I think he had a lot of opportunities where he got into the paint, had a chance to maybe try to get, uh, get off a jumper, and he couldn't do it. He would kick it back out. Um, but, I mean, Jimmy got that game. That was a three-point game. Yeah. Right? It's three-point game with under under 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, – but, I mean, we agree with you on this, Lowe. So, he says in 99 games, the Heat win 20. Absolutely. We absolutely agree with you. In 99 games, the Heat are going to win them. They're going to get because, – because of who they are. Yeah, man, will they get 20? I think so. I think so. If they played 100 times, well, I mean, that's one out of every five. That's the same thing they basically just did. You know, for some reason, he didn't want to make the math easy on us. Um, but <laughs> but um, I do think in 99 games that he get 20, but I think in, you know, in 80 of those games, it, it, it comes down to a, a one or two possession game. So, like, absolutely outmatched is one thing. If we're talking coaching, I'm taking Spolstra. 
Big picture, yes. I think I think Spolstra's track record and his resume is too extensive for me to take Michael Malone over him. But I do have to give Michael Malone credit. He pushes. He knew the right buttons to push for this team, um, including he'll like that would include benching Michael Porter at key points when Michael Porter was not having a good game and rolling with the Bruce Brown. Yeah, and the Christian Brown and the yep. I mean, Christian Brown was getting made. I mean, a rookie, right? Getting major minutes down the stretch. Um, and so, you know, I, I have to give the kudos to them. Because like we said, we watched a game together last night um, mm-hmm. at the sports bar. And like like you said, every time the Heat, would, they were up, what, 10, I think, at some point. Almost yep. either 8 or 10. They went on a 31 to 13 run or something like that there in the second quarter. Looked like they were going to take off with it. Yes, and it and – it, and and again, this speaks to that resiliency. I think the largest margin of defeat for the Nuggets during this run was a seven-point loss. I think it was either to uh, the Timberwolves in overtime or it might have been the Suns. Um, but that was the largest margin of defeat because it did not matter what you did. They always seemed to, to be able to flip a switch, so to speak, and be able to cut that lead down and put game pressure on, on their opponents. Um, Tyler Hero did not play. I thought he did. I thought he came in for a second, but he did not play last night. Um, I think the the broken hand, he just was not ready. Shots at Homie Lowe's who asked that question. He did not play um, last night. And one thing I will give kudos to as well, I feel like the NBA, I know there's there was a lot of talk about nobody's going to watch a Heat Nuggets finals. Nobody's going to care. I don't know why we do this with the NBA. We don't do it with any other sport. For some reason, we get to pocket watching the ratings. I know NBA PR said it was what the most. We do it with basketball. We do it with college basketball, I think. Really? I mean. Yeah, we talked about it in UConn and San Diego State. <laughs> I mean, but but I feel like in the NCAA, that matters a lot more. Yeah. Because, like, you want you want your Carolinas, Kansas, Dukes, UCLA's. Like, you're wanting those teams to be there because it will affect the ratings. And I think you saw that with the Final Four. You don't think Lakers and Celtics ratings would have been. So here's the thing, right? The ratings for this particular series. Yeah, of course they would have. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Bam, Butler and Hero were all averaging over 20 points a game, I believe. You know, like to have to have another guaranteed 20 points a game from a guy like Hero, who's not just a Duncan Robinson running off screens and shooting threes or whatever. Like the guy can. He's not on Jamal Murray's level, but he can get to those spots and hit those fadeaways, knock down, you know, free throws, get to the bucket. So, so to for those who were listening on podcast, the homie Los chimed in and said he was saying that if Tyler Hero played, then they probably would have fared better, and it, which is a fair point, right? Because, like you said, one those bench guys who are who are playing extra minutes also get a chance to rest, and I think that's a factor too. Denver's bench, Denver, if they wanted to, they both run in short rotations. But if Denver needed to, they had a deeper bench to tap into that could play more minutes than yeah. he could, right? I mean, you if they had hero, they'd have lost in six. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, because I, I mean, it, it all depends. It depends on how hot he is from three and how well he he is defensively. If you can yeah. afford to keep him on the floor down the stretch, so. But now the point I was making about the NCAA, like I don't want to lose that point, is like. Oh, about the NBA, I'm sorry, is that the ratings for this finals was very similar to last year's, which had Golden State and Boston, right? So Golden State, large market San Francisco, but historically not a great team. But you have a top three most marketable player in the league in Steph Curry, right? You got Boston, big market, glamour franchise, 
and the ratings were similarly better throughout the entire series. I think they took a dip in game four. But other than that, they matched last year's series. So here's the thing. Like, here's if if you play a, a good brand of basketball, if you play an interesting brand of basketball, people are going to – in my opinion, people are going to tune in. And I feel like that was proven last year when you didn't have LeBron. Um, and really, Steph was really the only – of the kind of like the legacy big, big, big names. He was the only kind of guy that was there throughout the entire run. And you had people who tuned in and watched – um, the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies and some of these other upstart teams. Um, and and you had people's attention. So if it's good basketball, and I want to say this too. I wish people would stop saying that the Nuggets are boring. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> Los told you to turn the TV off. <laughs> you know I got you know I got money invested into this hockey, uh this hockey the oh, uh, final right here. Vegas just got scored on. Are they losing? Nah, it's 2 1. It's 2 1. We're up 2 1. We're up 2 1. Yeah, we, we. No, you're the I just came from Vegas. I'm a, I'm a Golden Knight, bro. <laughs> VGK on mines. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> but now, like, I wish people would stop saying that they're born and not a highlight team. Like, you have probably, if he's not the best player in the game, he's top two or three in Jokic. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a stat that basically Jamal Jamal treats the regular season as like I'm going to make this Dragon Ball Z reference again. He treats the regular season as his hyperbaric time tra- chamber to prepare for the postseason because his numbers jump immensely from regular to postseason. He's like a, um, a, a, a 16, 17 per game score point per game score in the regular season. And in the playoffs, it jumps to 25 assists jump up about two per game. Um, three point percentage jumps up about four or five percent percentage points per game. Like he turns into uh, turns into like, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I mean, <Okay. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so yeah, so he turns into a different player. Aaron Gordon's a high flyer. When Michael Porter Jr., who boy, if they hadn't won this series, you want to talk about a uh, a goat and not in a in a greatest of all time, but scape goat he would have gotten killed because shooting wise, he had a terrible, terrible performance. He had the great little behind or between the legs move. That was your move, by the way. He got, he got that from you, the little back. You know, I mean, he played in Missouri a little bit, so I'm probably sure, you know, he probably was in Kansas city a couple of times back in the days. It was like, Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he got the little between the legs move on the way to, for the layup, you know, but he had a terrible series shooting wise. Um, this is a, I get it. There aren't a lot of great personalities, right? And you, normally you want your best player to be a big personality. If this was Joel Embiid, the media would love it. They would be eating it up. But Jokic does not care at all for the spotlight. I think Kevin Durant, for some reason, he deleted the tweet, but he put it best. All that dude wants to do is play basketball, go home, be with his family, and and kick it with the horses. Like, that's it. He really does. And he I don't really want- does. I'll, I'll say this. I don't understand why people want him to be like we should. It's, all, it's, so, it's so funny because you remember when Anthony Edwards was being drafted number one, like the big thing was like, does he care about basketball enough? You know what I mean? And it was like, we don't want to take Anthony Edwards at number one if he doesn't care about basketball enough. But when it's Jokic, it's like, oh, he doesn't care about basketball. Like, oh, you know, like this is fascinating, you know? Listen, and and that's the thing. I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna say this point. Jokic 
we should all empathize with Jokic because Jokic, all he wants to do is do his job, go home. Like 95% of people in this country. Yeah. He's spectacular at it. And I mean, look, I, I feel like I'm really good at my job. I've gone to great lengths to make sure that that things have been handled and done in a satisfactory way at my job. But at the end of the day, I want to be at the crib with the family. I want to be on vacation with the family or with the, or with the homies. I want to be doing a lot of different things other than working. And I enjoy what I do and I'm good at it. And that's something I feel like we should take pride. Like we should look at that and go, this is our people. Yeah. This is our people. The other point I want to make about Jokic is maybe he's just an introvert, bro. And maybe he just ain't, listen, Facts. It, as a fellow introvert, it may not seem like it because I do a podcast weekly, but I am an introvert and I have no problem sitting at home by myself or even in public and simply ignoring what is happening around me. He ain't lying, no y'all. He is that. not lying. Listen, A Ward, when we go out and kick it, A Ward is the talker. I'm the listener. I'm I will I have no problem just sitting there <laughs> and letting him chat people up and they chat us up and I say something every five or so minutes and I go back to being in my own world. Maybe that's just Jokic. He don't want to talk. You just want to go kick it, like I said. Be with his you know family. what, though? Like, I mean, I think when people say the Nuggets play a boring ba- brand of basketball, it's not that they play a boring brand of basketball. Man, that's tough to say. Um, but they should come out with, like, they should actually trade that and do, like, BBB, you know? And I think they could have shoes and everything. Boring brand of basketball. That would be some kind of fire. But it's not that. Is it? I think, I think that they score boring, right? So it's not – like, the basketball's fun, Right. And then it's a, it's a it's a it's a two point shot you know bank shot or something like that or it's a, you know the, when you had the when you had the the Warriors you know you obviously have you Steph Curry thirty foot threes but then you even have slash into the basket backdoor cuts these crazy finishes different thing up and down basketball or whatever you know um that's very true I do get the fact that I don't shut up talking from my mama I love her to death <laughs> um. And, uh, you know, I just think that it, I think that what it comes to is I actually enjoy watching the Nuggets play basketball, you know, especially how they had to kind of cut cut into that zone that Miami put on during the finals, um, you know, and in and, and, and high basketball IQ, you know, uh, passing and cutting and stuff. But I just think it's that, that they score boring two point shots. And I think and you know, they got they don't got guys that are dunking on you. None of them guys. I think I saw Bruce Brown on a on a on a fast break after a steal. And even that dunk looked, you know, boring. <laughs> You know, it was, it was like, so, done. like he didn't, he, it wasn't emphatic, right? Yeah. So I think that that's kind of what people were saying. They actually play, they play a very, um, a very fun style to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to hit some of these comments that came in. Um, get your bars up. Media said, where do you rank Joker all time amongst sinners? Top seven, I think. Like, I'm in top seven. Um, I would have to I would have to actually do some research on this, get your bars up and come back to that. Um I this is in no order, but Wilt, Shaq, Kareem, Elijah Wan, Tim Duncan. Oh, he's a power forward. I mean, he's a center for all intents and purposes. Yeah. That's what he wanted to be listed. That's five that I don't think he's over. Um I Moses think Malone. Malone, yeah, yeah, Moses Malone is going to be. I think Willis Reed. Like, I would have to cut the list down to modern era because, like, I didn't see Willis Reed play. I didn't see. Did like, I say Kareem? 
Yeah, I think I said. Yeah, I mean, Bill Shaman, Russell, Will. Like, I didn't see. I caught later Kareem. Um, I would say probably somewhere between seven to ten, just off the top of my head, because again, it's kind of hard to to talk about a lot of those guys that are from the fifties and sixties when we were obviously not alive. So, man, um, it's a different position. Yeah, let's go three one. All right, Mr. Gold. Gosh, see, you guys are you're you're literally like distracting me from watching my team. Man, come on now, what the heck? I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I cut into your hockey time. As a diehard, diehard uh, puckhead over here. Right into my mother. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, but I, I just yeah, I, I think that's that's a that's an interesting topic to have. Greatest nugget of all time. Man, I still don't know if I want to put him over Mellow. Mellow, Alex English, Dan Hensel. I what? think you get a lot of cachet for bringing him that first. Should year. have still- three. Should have three MVPs. Now, I'm not going to say should because that's all hindsight. Had he lost, we would have been – and he should. We would have been like, oh, Embiid, you know, you know. Yep, so, yep, yep. Uh, so back-to-back MVPs, finals MVP, five all-star games in the first, what, six years? How long has he been in the league? Six, seven years? Uh, I think it's been six or seven. Let me, uh, let me make yeah. sure I get this right. Uh, let's see. I bet the Denver Nuggets fans say he's the greatest nugget of all time. Yeah, I probably- bet you that. <laughs> you know what? Well, see, I don't know if that's fair because, like, we, you know, in our society, everything is the greatest thing ever, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's kind of hard to even even quantify it from that standpoint. I mean, he's top three. I think that's easy. I think that's an easy assessment. He's top three. Looks like he's been in the league since. Yeah, we're talking five years. So he's been an all-star every year? Uh, not every year. I think. Well, dang. God, dog, did he have – hold on, hold on. No, let's play – I'm sorry. He's been in the league long there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Eight okay. years. Um, he probably gets to be an all-star starting the either the 2020, 2019, 2020. 41st pick, second round, right? 41st pick, yep. second round. Yep. And, I mean, like, I know people try to make the he's not an athlete, but, I mean, like, guys, like – I get it. He's not like jumping out the gym, but you don't get to be that guy without being a, a pretty decent athlete. He's a five-time yeah. All-Star, two-time Most Valuable Player, um, three-time All-First Team, two-time Second Team All-NBA. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you don't get to be that guy. Ooh, he's three-time All-Star, three-time All. Okay, nice. That's that's, that's a good. Yeah, so he's building quite a resume for himself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so for sure, so for sure, I have to do some more research though. And figure out. Uh, sorry, you know the the mellow army is chiming in. Um, and get your bars upset. He's the, he's the undisputed greatest nugget of all time. Talk, talk, talk. All right, we'll see, we'll see. All right, so I want to let's. Uh, anything else you want to say about the NBA Finals before I jump into this? Uh, <laughs> I would like to say that I, a Ward, am stating today, the Nuggets will repeat next year and went back-to-back finals championships hold on let me get you the iso let me get the iso let me see if i can do this right because i want because then what i want to i'm going to clip this up i'm going to clip this clip this down and then like if somehow this happens right i'm going to like post this in a tag bleach report <laughs> like yo my guy said this the day after they won the championship so let me see if what, I, what I gotta it. say it again for him just say the same thing no because he got it you don't want to be in the picture no, I don't want to be the picture. I want this to be just you. You get the solo screen. So, Ward, say that again. I, A. Ward, greatest battle rapper of all time, 
am stating <laughs> for a Bleacher Report, right? So if it does go viral, I need them to know. <laughs> am stating that the Denver Nuggets will repeat as NBA champions next year, 2023-2024. It's going to happen, y'all. All right, Los told you. Well, I mean, Los, don't, don't, don't tempt him with a good time here, please. Hey, I just got back from Vegas. I just got back from Vegas, Los. If you're giving me odds, if you're giving me odds, Los, you know we could, we could, we could throw them down. Los said, put something on it for the for the podcast squad. He, trust me, he's like he's like a couple of bets away from needing to call one eight hundred bets off. Do not tempt him with a good time here, people. All right, so I'll ask you. Well, actually, I want to ask one last question about the Heat. Should the Heat run it back with this team? Well, they get Hero back. You know, they were better than an eight seed, but they were an eight seed. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you are what you are, you know, from the regular season. I mean, Hero played a good portion of the regular season. So, they get Hero back, but I think that they're going to need to add somebody. They're going to need to re-sign Gabe Vincent, I believe. Max Struess can probably go. Um, he, he was key to it, but I don't, I'm not saying – I'm not thinking – I'm thinking if you're going to lose Vincent or Max Struess – you probably lose. Uh, you probably lose Max Struess. Um, and then I think they're just going to need one more. You know, one more guy. I know we talked last night about. You know, I don't know if Kyle Lowry is still going to be there, but you know, replacing Kyle Lowry. Huh? Yeah, one more year. He has one more year on his deal. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the Van Fleet obviously just just decided to be a, a free agent. You're going to have a lot of guys, Chris Paul, um, different guys that are uh, possible to to add. But um, it just seemed to me like that with when the when the when um, the ball needed to be in somebody's hands, it was always Jimmy Butler, and, there, and you knew that, you know? Um, whereas, you know, Jamal Murray could have brought it up, and they could have worked through Jokic, and there could have been other guys cutting, but it was always Jimmy Butler. And I'm just wondering how many possessions would have looked different if you'd have had – I mean, hero, yeah, but if you'd have had, you know, another guy that, that you know could have got you a bucket in that time. Yeah, yeah. So this comment from Get Your Bars Up, the Heat are one superstar away from winning a chip. Now – True, however, aren't we all? <laughs> I mean, the, the nugget, the nugget only got one superstar, right? I mean, Jamal Murray's probably becoming one. We're talking about I mean, superstar. Jamal, Murray, Jamal Murray's a, probably a playoff superstar. He's <laughs> performed, but yeah. So here's the thing about that, though. Like, I think the Heat probably are in a position where they need to try to run it back with their current squad because they can't get a superstar the way the CBA is set up. Um, teams who are over the luxury tax are limited in their options in, in their ability to have sign and trades to get a superstar, the draft picks they can send out, even on the buyout market after the trade deadline, when certain players are getting bought out because teams are out of contention, they're not going to keep them for the, for the future. They're even, they can't even do that. So they're going to have to try to resign the majority of this roster hope that they can that Tyler Hero takes is healthy can take the next step and that these guys can play for 82 games the way they did for you know the 20 or so odd games they had in, during this postseason so but that leads us leads me to an interesting segue because Damian Lillard um was on a podcast um recently and he was asked a question about uh where he would like to go so i'm going to see if i can grab this file of course it's let's see if it's going to work with me here let's see let's see if it'll work you read oh, four to one. Let's online go. you hear these analyst talks everybody keeps saying damian lillard is going to be traded to the knicks damian lillard's going to be traded to the heat 
Damian Lillard should be traded to the Celtics. Damian Lillard's going to be traded to the Nets. If one of those trades went went through out of those teams, which one would you be like, ah, that's not too bad? <laughs> Miami, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Miami is that. Like, let me pause it right there. Was that laugh really necessary? Yeah, like, no, it wasn't. I get it, Damian laughed, but I feel like sometimes in the media, like, to try to make the person that you're interviewing feel comfortable, like, you kind of go a little bit over the top. And I mean, just like, oh, okay, okay, that's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> like, all right, anyway, continue. Obviously, and Bam is my dog. Bam is my dog, for real. But, I mean, I think Miami, the obvious one. Brooklyn is obvious one is another obvious one because Mikael Bridges is my dog too. So I mean, and both have, and both are you know capable have capable rosters. So, so that's Damian Lillard on the Last Stand podcast with Brian. Oh boy, Brian Kushner. He uh, does the bo- He's part of the boxing team that they have there at Showtime. Um, so. Brian Custer, I believe, is his name. So, yeah, so he is talking about his, uh, you know, where he would like to go potentially if he was traded. So that leads me to say, first off, why is it in an era where KD and LeBron are slandered mercilessly for ring chasing, for not doing it the right way, right? Dang, Nabbit, I can never get this right. I, I can't. There we go. The right way. I can never get it right. Um, the right way. Anyway, with that slander for not doing it the right way, why is it we are so eager to see Dane go chase a ring? Because I thought it. I thought the thing is, you go stick with the team for you're loyal, and if you win, you win. You don't, you don't. Okay. Well, the reason is because he was that, you know, and that that's the reason. It's because like KD and LeBron didn't like didn't show that character, you know, in, in, in their, they didn't show that, you know, I'm staying here. I need people put around me. And we, we look at Blazers like you, he was there for as long as he could have been, you know what I mean? And like now it's like, we don't blame him for finding another place, you know? And I don't think he's out here saying like, I want to be traded. I need to ring chase. I think people are speculating, you know, he's going to, and he's just answering the questions, honestly, like, Hey, Miami, Brooklyn, but he even said if Miami won a championship that he he wouldn't want to go there. I, he even I think he even said that, and you know so he's he's speaking of teams that did not end up winning a championship. You know teams that you know he he's got friends on or whatever. You know Josh Hart responded. I thought I was a dog. <laughs> like, come on, come on, Josh, come on, Josh, <laughs> really, bro, like. <laughs> You're not, you're not Mikel Bridges, and you're not, you know, uh, Bam I mean, Adebayo. But he was a teammate. He was in Portland before he got traded to New York this season. So I mean, yeah, I thought, I thought, thought used to be my homie, used to be my ace. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, I thought we was cool. I thought we was boys. Now, as far as the well, KD and LeBron, you know, they weren't loyal to the soil. KD was in OKC for nine years last Seattle for nine years. LeBron was in Cleveland for seven. Like I don't like. Man, listen. Let let Damian Lillard stay in Portland. Everybody's not going to win a championship. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be great players: James Harden, Russell Westbrook, who likely will never win. Chris Paul likely never going to win a title. Melo never won a title. Like, 
You, but you you also remember LeBron did the decision and KD joined the greatest basketball team of all time. Like we're not talking like Dame Lillard is is is, is talking about possible destinations. Like those two guys got a lot more hate after, you know, the decision and how he went about it leaving to go to South Beach and then KD literally watching the greatest basketball team play ever and say, I'm joining y'all after you win a championship. <laughs> a lot of the hate came from those. Uh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But, like, I mean, there's no super team anymore. And I feel like, as a quick aside, like, I feel like that's the great lesson that I feel like NBA teams need to really learn. I've said yeah. it several times on the show, you don't need to have a trio of incredible players on one team anymore. You watch what Boston has done. Mm -hmm. Two guys, you look at what 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 Phoenix did with Paul and Booker. Right. And then Aiton kind of as a as a half on that Giannis and Middleton. Um, And again, you want to throw in Drew Holiday as another half asset. Like you're watching these teams do it with two, two and a half men, if you will. Pardon the pun. Right. But (laughs) you're watching them do it with like two, two and a half, like, you know, great slash superstar players. And they're five to one. The over has been hit was five and a half. Five to one. Let's go Vegas. Keep going. So, you know, like I think I think that you you don't need to have a superstar player. Now, unfortunately for Portland, they tried. It's not hasn't been for lack of trying. It's just that none of the assets that they or the players that they brought in have worked out. They tried bringing in like a Jeremy Grant. Right. They tried to to be in on the trades for James Harden and Kawhi and other players. And it just hasn't worked out for them. You know, they have the number three overall pick. Um, if for whatever reason Charlotte foolishly drafts uh, Scoot Henderson instead of Brandon Miller, you got Brandon Miller, who again people have equated to being Paul George. Now, do you? Get I, that I like this foolish talk that you're talking about. You think what it you would be mean? foolish to take Scoot Henderson over Brandon Miller? You got Melo. What do you need Scoot Henderson for? You have a okay. you have a lead guard who has a high usage rate, who needs the ball in his hands to be successful. So why would you go get Scoot? Now, I guess there's, there's an element of, well, your turn, my turn. That could happen there. But if you're saying uh, – so, again, look at Denver as the model, right? Granted, Jokic, great center. Um, Jamal Murray turns into another player come playoff time. But look at the wings, right, that they had on that team with size and height. You got Jeff Green. Um, you got Bruce Brown. You got uh, Chris uh, Christian Brown. Right. You have uh, Michael Porter, Jr., just a plethora of wings that one helps you defensively in their ability to switch and match up with no matter who has the ball, who has some level of good to great jumpers on them. Right. Go and get Brandon. If again, if the Hornets do what I consider to be a bad decision to take Scoot, not that I don't think Scoot's going to be good, but you have a wing player who has. At, at worst, his first years can be an excellent three and D guy for you. Defense, three pointers. If he does nothing else for you, until mm-hmm. you grow offensively into his game, you have something to build with Dame, and you potentially have the torch that could be passed from Dame to the next to the next generation. So that's why I say, like, so if they end up getting that, or maybe if they can package that number three pick to go get, I mean, I don't know. I mean, James Harden. I don't. I personally wouldn't want James Harden at this stage of his career, but I don't know who you could package that number three pick. Portland, don't ask me how I know this, top three cities per capita strip clubs. 
we're going to talk offline about how you came about this information. Like we're going to, cause that's just a really random. And I feel like someone definitely gave you that information. I don't feel like I went, I went to a bachelor party in Portland. I didn't say I went to a strip club. I went to a bachelor party in Portland. This was part of the, uh, the, the conversations. Okay. As we passed right. each one on our way to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> <laughs> I have a joke there. I'm going to leave that between me and the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, like, I don't, like I said, I just don't get why people want this guy to be traded so bad. Like, let Dame stay where he is. And here's the other part if you trade Dame, like, where are you going to take him that's going to not be another Portland. I guess that's the other part of it. People want him gone so bad, but where can he go? I mean, the Lakers? But you, the Lakers, one, have mortgaged all their first-round draft picks to high heaven to get Anthony Davis and to get some of these other players, to get Russell Westbrook and the like. What are they giving up? Then they're going to have to sacrifice depth, and to me, you're back in the same situation with the aging LeBron James, maybe Anthony Davis, because I would be asking for – I wouldn't – I'll, I'll do respect to Austin Reeves. I'm not getting Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura back for Dame Lillard. Like, Anthony Davis has to be a part of this package somehow, some way. So, I mean, what's going to be there when he walks through the door? I said something pauseworthy. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Mama just out here pausing people. Look, hey. Yeah, I, I'm not pausing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm letting it fly. I'm letting it fly. <laughs> anyway, I'm 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 about to be shot to past day, man. Long live past day. I'm about to be on my past day. I'm just I'm just letting it all hang out. I'm saying every <laughs> every not every not on purpose as, as much as Pat was. Can we can we please make sure that the title of this is not the pause show? Let's let's keep let's keep our integrity and let's 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 uh let's move forward. <laughs> all right, all right. So if I, I'll ask you if there, what team do you think that Dame should go to? And we'll move on to the NFL real quick. Uh, I like the Brooklyn Nets. I like that. I like the Brooklyn Nets. I just don't think that makes them a – I mean, what's the difference between – I mean, with, well – I just selfishly want to be in uh, New York City so that he can rap more. <laughs> I mean, if he's, if he's going to be anywhere – see, this is where them getting Jalen Brunson, shout out to Jalen Brunson, great year, hurts the Knicks. Like, I would love yeah. to the Knicks. And yeah, I would. In the big state. Because the, the problem with the, with the Brooklyn with Brooklyn is – no one's going to care. They had Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden, and we all focused on the drama. That's all we cared about. We didn't care about the basketball until, you know, his size 18 shoe was on the line and kept them from going to the NBA Finals. Like, so I don't – if he's going to go someplace, I want him to go to – So you his, think it's weird. I know about Portland and not the fact that you know what size shoe Kevin Durant wears. So <laughs> that's because they mentioned it. And I feel like <laughs> a, so here's the thing, right? Because I believe he's a size 17 in shoe, but for some reason he wears an 18. And I think because they wear uh, basketball players at their level wear multiple pairs of socks. Yeah. Yeah. So he he wears an 18. And so had he been wearing a 17, he might be an NBA champion with the Brooklyn Nets. And that whole little experiment doesn't get blown up. So I feel fairly confident that in all this, you know, sports stuff that I listen to in here, that that is why I know he wears a size 18. OK. All right. Fair and enough. by the way, we, we should have a vote on this. More random, knowing that P Portland has more strip clubs per capita than any other 
city and the nation are knowing that Kevin Durant wears a size 18? I feel like that's a poll question because I feel like I'm going to win that. Well, I, I know which one's not getting paused. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know that much. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's uh, let's jump into this NFL story real quick, and then we'll get into Gnome Impact. So Six to a- one. Six, let's go. All right, it's over. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Chase Burns, finger slash. Let's go. NFL uh, Colts player Isaiah Rogers placed hundreds of bets on games, including games he plays for the Colts, including his own team's games. Um, so he, the investigation is still ongoing. It's, I mean, he's going to get at least a year if he doesn't receive a lifetime ban because this is the first instance we've seen of an actual player betting on his own team. And so I have a proposition that uh, about gambling because here, here's a couple of uh, uh, facts about the NFL and gambling. Sports gambling is legal in 21 states where 15 NFL teams play. The NFL has partnered with three sports betting sites, Caesars, DraftKings, and FanDuel. Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones are investors in DraftKings. And this past offseason, the owners voted to allow sports betting at stadiums where sports betting obviously is legal. So with all of that being said, I want to get your take on something. I believe that the NFL should allow players to gamble on games, both NFL and otherwise. So they have this foolish rule about you can gamble on certain other things, but you cannot gamble on team property. So, like if you wanted to place a bet on uh, golf, right? If you want to place a bet on golf, you can do it in the parking lot. You can do it on across the street. But once you walk in the doors of the facility, you cannot place that bet. It's to me, that's very stupid. And they have some other, you know, kind of rules about what you can and can't bet on. But I believe that the NFL should allow players to gamble on games because you are partner. You have owners who are partnering with it. You're going to allow it at the stadium where they can't do it, by the way. You're going to allow this to happen at the stadium. Um, it's legal in for, for 15 NFL franchises already. It's going to grow. I think it's going to happen here in Missouri. If not this year, maybe next year, they're going to legalize gambling. Let them bet. They can't at two games before the game kicks off, betting windows close. And, and you can't bet on your own games. You can't. So that, that, that's the one thing they cannot do. You cannot bet on your own team's games, but all your bets are public. We have to have these bets be public. So because you can't, it can't be on the, it can't be on the, on the low because there's already enough crying and crying is not the right word enough accusations about gambling and whether or not people are on the take you see especially when it comes to referees and agendas right like for example the Chiefs with the 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 late hit by Joseph Asai against Patrick Mahomes a bunch of people you know erroneously falsely wrongly claim oh man they're the the NFL's got it in for Patrick Mahomes they want to see him shine right so there's already enough allegations about match fixing as it is allow them to bet on games. It cuts off two days before, before the game actually starts and they all have to be public. Your reaction to that. Yeah, I'm not, uh, once you got to, you can't bet on games that you, you know, that you play in, you know, obviously I I didn't know you were going to go there and I was just ready to be like, are you crazy? Um, Um, I'm not too mad at that. Actually. Um, I do think, you know, like you shouldn't be able to bet on futures. You shouldn't be able to bet on different things that you can directly affect. You know what I mean? 
Um, so whether you know, if it's a game that you can't directly affect the outcome or whatever, that's one thing. But if it's like I'm betting on, you know, the, the, the Broncos to win the, you know, the AFC West or whatever, you know, like and you play against the Broncos that year, you know, you shouldn't be able to, you know, you shouldn't be able to be tied to anything that you could directly affect. Um, and I do like the idea of like the public. I think it brings uh, uh, an uh, interesting aspect to it as a um, person maybe that possibly gambles. Uh, I don't know. I've tried it before. But like to look up and be like, ah, oh, Peyton Manning's got money on the Colts this weekend. Or, oh, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts is betting on the Chiefs to beat the Raiders. Like, that's my favorite player. I'm going to I'm going to see his, you know, what his bet is or whatever. And I'm going to. You know, maybe he knows something type stuff, you know, um, I think that's interesting because we do that with, the, with all the shows that we watch, you know, that we allow like Scott Van Pell and, um, you know, some of the shows that come on that are specific to sports book. You know, we allow their their opinion and we see their public. You should take this or you should take that or I'm taking, oh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and these guys are not that were are heavily invested in sports and know people that know people that interview people that interview people. So I'm not mad at that. It's very, very interesting. Um, I don't know if it'll get there, but um, no, it'll never, it'll, it'll never get there. They're not, yeah. they're not again because they, the integrity of the game, right? Like they're always talking about. But again, so the game last night, right? You have the the file that's challenged on uh, by Aaron Gordon against Jimmy Butler, and they called it a foul. Which to me, it, I said it to you in that moment. I'm like, if that's a foul, then every play on every possession, a foul happens because like Jimmy Butler kicked his leg out. For Aaron Gordon to run into it, which thank God the Heat lost all that flopping, you deserve to lose. Like, play, have some dignity. Have some dignity. Why don't you, man? Like, come on. Anyway, but like, if that's a that, if that's a foul, then everything's a foul. And there were lots of people after that happened. Uh, Adam Stern, they Adam Stern, pre- he made a call like they want this this game, this series to continue for money, for ratings, for da 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 da. This is again, the NFL is not immune to this thing. Like the whole script thing, which kind of took off. Hey, you did a good job that time. Um, I'm getting there. I'm starting to figure out where the camera is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole script thing that took off, I think, after – was it after the Chiefs won? I forget what the script – but that whole talk that kicked up about it being rigged and about it being scripted and that all this stuff is, you know, pre – and some – obviously there's – there's that's a joke, but there's a little bit of truth in everybody kidding as well. So, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like that is something that the league should look to – invest in and allow players to do let them gamble let them why not why not you guys are partnering with it you got the league is making money off of it it's like having you know a a kid who enjoys chocolate cake and saying oh yeah we're going to have this cake over here that we're going to be splitting up amongst all these other people i know you love cake as well but you can't have any and it's just like well why why can't yeah i definitely think the vested interest in the promoting of like all of the DraftKings and fantasy football and all that kind of stuff is just wildly contradicting, you know, to the views they have on these kids that are placing bets, you know. And I think it's nauseating. I, I honestly have found it to be – it's just over the top. Everything is brought to you by DraftKings. Um, every, just about every podcast – well, it's not true. One of the podcasts I listen to starts at some point because DraftKings is, is a sponsor and has ads – like at some point he has a he's like over under for Jimmy Butler over under for this uh, what's the what's the spread this happens on all the football shows it's being pushed it's in your face twenty four seven and I'm just like person like seven years ago I would have loved the idea of, of being able to drive to Kansas and place a bet on a football game and now it's just like I literally work five minutes from Kansas and I'm like I'm good 
I have no interest. I'm I'm not no, no. I'm I don't know, and I don't, I don't know what what happened to me, but that's just where I am with it. Like I'm good on on bet on on placing bets. It's just not my thing anymore. So I mean, you know, me either. I don't know. No, yeah, yeah. As we know, as we see, what's the score again? <laughs> Six to one. Yo, that's kind of crazy. Closeouts game six to one. Let's go. I mean, Vegas was the better team. Shout out to to uh, Florida. They had a great again. Miami, another eight seed with a great run, but they ran up against a better squad. So, and um, um, Matt and Chuck. you know the old saying: Vegas always wins. <laughs> yeah, is it Matt <laughs> Kachuk? It's not Matt Kachuk. What's the young man's name? I know it's Keith Kachuk's son. Uh, he's hurt. He didn't. He's not playing tonight. Oh, I think it is he- Matt Kachuk. <clears throat> now you got me looking this up. Uh, yeah, it's Matthews, Matthew Kachuk. So anyway, um, let's uh, let's jump into let's get into battle rap now. Let's jump into that. All right. So this weekend, Gnome Impact went down. Um, this is one of URL's signature brand events. Summer Impact being the other uh, large brand event that went down. And so they obviously, as we talked about before, they decided to mix it up. They had two on two teams. Um, all throughout the event, there was a surprise battle. I don't know how many of these battles you got to see in its entirety. I know you were on vacation, so then that makes it even harder to to tap in, watch battles. So I will ask you this then. I want to start with, I watched or listened to the majority of the battles. I went back and watched the main event, Gun Orthodox versus Rocky Geechee in its entirety. I watched, and I also sat and watched Miss Hustle I think it was God Body, Miss Hustle, Danny Myers versus Wild Card, which is Jerry West and Lou Castro. In part because I heard they had a, from what I heard, I like what I was hearing from West and Lou Castro, and I heard they had a really good performance as well. So I want to ask you a couple of questions because Hollow and Kyle, who took on Shotgun, Suge, and Old Red, um, they were widely panned for their performance. I think the consensus is Shotgun Suge did his job. Everyone else was not up to par. I don't know if you heard about this. Old Red. Um, he was to his third, and the, he he asked the crowd, "Do y'all want to hear me rap this?" They told him no, allegedly. Um, and he said, "All right, I'm done," and that was the end of the round. But Cal said that I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. Hollow said that he felt like he was not given enough appropriate time to prep time for the battle. He said he got three weeks. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. How much prep time should leagues give battle rappers? Two part question: One for a two on two, and then for a solo three round battle. Good question. Um, I think that if you're talking about a battle that you want, you know, the best the best possible outcome, material and everything for for your battle, you know, that you should know a month ahead of time. You should know a month ahead of time. I think most battlers. Um, you know, can can put together three solid rounds in 30 days and deliver them at, you know, a high level in which they battle rap. Um, <clears throat> the thing about it is this, though. Um, battlers have to have some accountability for signing the contract when they sign the contract and agreeing to the battles when they agree to the battles. Um, you know, Jazz is a great example. Jazz the rapper. Like she is notorious for not taking battles if she doesn't have the prep time she feels she deserves. She won't do it, you know. Now, look, her bills are paid. 
apparently, you know, because I'm sure there's plenty of bags that have been offered to Jazz, you know what I mean? And she's like, no, I don't got the prep time. I don't need the money. I don't want, you know, I'm not sacrificing, you know, my brand, my material, and what I do on stage because you can't figure out how to set this up ahead of time. She's not at the Jazz. Not everybody's built like that. Some people need battle rap. Some people need battle rap money. Some people need, you know, the the notoriety, the buzz, the stage, the staying active, all of that kind of stuff. And I think you can tell when people start saying, yo, I'll do this battle, sure. You know, it's not what I really want, you know, but it's always hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, Apollos and Calicos would have went out there and it would have been a crazy reception and they would have got busy. We would have probably never heard this from Hollow to Don. You know, it's just what happened is it's the other way around, you know, and it went public because it was the other way around. You know, like that's a conversation that, you know, you can go back and you can tell them, look, I'm not happy with the reception of this battle. I'm not happy what they're saying online about me. I'm not going to go out here and say this, but look, URL, like I'm not doing this no more. You know, like this is not what it is, you know. Um, But I also do think that, you know, going public about it is, is hopefully giving some accountability to URL. But at the end of the day, you know, some leagues know when they're going to have their events and you get a good amount of time. And URL has not been that that league lately, you know. I know I have tons of friends, you know, that, you know, two, three weeks before the event, they're releasing, you know, they're releasing, you know, who's battling, but they don't even have the card filled yet. You know, they don't have the, um, they don't have any of that kind of stuff, you know, taken care of yet. And so, you know, they don't have flight spot. They don't have, you know, hotels booked and different things like that. Um, so it has got to be frustrating, but it's, it's also like, yo, like you wanted to be on gnome impact, you know, you wanted to be, say, be able to say you were on gnome. You know, and you accepted the battle. If you can't do it, if you don't think you can give your best product, don't accept the battle. Fair enough. I wouldn't take I wouldn't take a week, you know, a battle on King of the Dot or RBE or or Chrome or anything like that on a week or two week notice. You know, I wouldn't. I'll go smoke anybody in any city on any small leagues in a week or two week notice because I know, you know, that I can I can use what I do very very well in those rooms. You know, and perform at a high clip for them in those situations with within, you know, within seven days notice. You know, that does not go the same for what it takes to battle on these big stages in front of big crowds with high risk, you know, big platforms, you know, making sure that every every T is crossed and every I is dot. Fair enough. Fair enough. So um jump to another battle so i'm gonna go av and fonz versus t-top and swamp now i do think that um shout out to hitman i do think this is going to look this battle is going to look a little different on cam um versus versus what happened in the building av and fonz i think were heavy favorites in this bat matchup because of their ability as punchers because of what happened against lou castro and uh k-shine Right, which people thought was one of the best battles of the year, period, across the across the battle rap landscape when it happened. But T Top and Swamp, um, charismatic, had jokes, um, some good punches, uh, some good angles they took against Avon Fonz, and people have them clearly winning that battle. Right. So off of that, I want to ask you, in your opinion, what do you think makes for a good two on two team? Well, I mean, <clears throat> the variables in two-on-two two are huge, you know? Like, Avin Fonz battled um, Lou and K-Shine in a small room around a whole bunch of battle rappers, you know? 
um, people that catch things very quickly, people that, you know, know and understand the punchlines and things like that. You know, an, a, a room where you didn't have to project, you know, out over the crowd and different things like that. So those punchers, those guys like that are just known for punchlines and stuff like that. They, they were very successful in that type of room. You put it on top of that stage, you know what I mean? And when you get on that stage, you got to dance. You got to have pacing. You got to have performance. You got to have swag surfing app. You know, you got to have different things like that up there. And I'm sitting here listening to the clips that I watched, and I did catch a few of them. And I'm, I'm sitting here listening to punchlines. And the same went for Rum Nitty and Twerk at times. The punchlines are crazy. And maybe in a one-on-one -on -one battle set up the right way, that, that bar drops the building. But in a two-on-two -two battle, if it's just another punchline, it's not it's not really doing for the crowd what, what it's supposed to do, you know? I remember when I battled Ill Will. I thought I had a lot of crazy material read, and I got some good reaction. But what set me apart was the, when the rebuttals hit and the energy was there and that kind of stuff. You know, when I put the bucket hat on and stormed the Capitol building, when I did different things on that big stage, you know? Crown Vic line against Vixen. That's the kind of stuff that you want in, in front of those big crowds, you know? Um, and you want to be different. Everybody can get up there and rap and punchline, but there's just something about being different, you know? Um, and, and like you said, I, I haven't seen T-Top and Swamp clips, so I can't speak to what they did as opposed to what Avin Fawns did. Um, but yeah, I mean, a two-on-two -two team, like, it, there, it's just such different, it's such a different... Um, from a big stage to a small stage, small room is just so different. You know, like you can be lethal in the small room. You really can. You can be lethal in a small room with two great battle rappers. It don't matter. You can put two guys together randomly. If they're good, small room, just battle rappers around and some fans, it can go crazy. Those are big stages, though. You got to be on that that loaded hollow stuff whenever he was behind them, you know, and he was doing this. You know, you got to be you got to be, you know, dropping the coins, you know, the shell cases like that's two-on-two -two battle rap on big stage. DNA and K-Shine, gun titles. That's two-on-two -two battle rap on big stages. The BC segment, Nitty and Twerk. That's two-on-two -two that battle crazy. rap on big stage. That stages. was crazy. Right? Not just getting up there. You say two bars, I say two bars. You say this punchline, I say this punchline. You name flip him, you name flip him. That stuff, that's, that's not on that big stage. Yeah, and so at, I, when when you say that, I want to jump into giving some kudos to Jerry West and Lou Castro. Like I said, I was moving around, so I had the battles on listening. I was not watching, and so I wanted to go back and watch though that performance in particular, in part for the contrast, because you could see that there was between Miss Hustle and Danny that there they weren't as in sync, they weren't as coordinated as Lou Castro and, and Jerry West were, right? And Lou Castro already known for his performance. And I think he's getting even better in that aspect and be, in his ability to play off the crowd um, and get them um, into what they're doing. Although I do, I would love to ask uh, Lou Castro a question. I don't know if this was, this actually happened or if he was just simply just kind of is this this was a part of the act so during the third round jerry west has a, a iso right where he's going at uh both hustle and danny and you can clearly hear lucasio say this is not the round this is not the round like you can he says it like two or three times now he doesn't say it loudly right but it's loud enough for the audio mics to pick it up that this is not the round this is not the round and then he finally interrupts after a certain bar i can't remember the name what bar uh what punch that west has but then he kind of interrupts. It's like, yo, like what you want, right? And then they kind of, they go and sync together from there. But again, those two had a really good performance. 
playing off of Miss Miss Hustles, you know, attractiveness, playing off of Danny and his kids and um the easy situation. Really good performance for them. I thought that the young, the young uh newer guys, um, oh God, Swervo, Swervo, excuse me, and Authentic. <clears throat> no, no, that's no, authentic. She happens. The kid slay. She happens. Thank you. She happens. I didn't have that in my notes because that was the the, the surprise battle. So I didn't have that in my notes when I put this together last week. So I thought those guys did pretty well for their first. I feel like that's their first big, big stage, period. Um, so I want to shout out those younger guys and, and give them kudos for what for what they were able to do. Even being the first battle up. Normally, first battle gets a lot of love because everybody's excited to hear bars. But I thought they did pretty well as, as also. Um, hey, I'm with Mama Ward on this at the eight hours of two on two. Like time limits, time limits, time limits. Two and a half, three minutes tops, guys. We don't shout out to Nitty and, and, and Twerk. Amazing from a from a technical written standpoint, really dope bars, really dope punches. But like the crowd, it's been eight hours. Like they're they're tired, their feet are hurting, they're ready to go home at this point. Even even when you have you know four of the premier battle rappers in the world on a stage, they're tired. So yes, time limits because their rounds were incredibly incredibly long. And to me, even though I enjoyed it, it they could have they could have tailored that material down a little bit, cut out some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, last question I'll ask, and I'm trying to see. So I want to shout out DNA and John John. I think. You know, Saflair, Soul, and Foots had a lot to say about uh, about these guys not being legend, or in particular, John John not being a legend. Soul said DNA was boring during the face-off, right? They talked a lot about them to sell this fight, and DNA and John John were the, oh, I'm not going to say the only ones who got a 30 for the night, but definitely a clear 30 um, in their performance. Um, and I think Let's Talk Battle Rap and their recap had them as the top two-on-two team of the night. Uh, from the event. And so I want to do ask you this to close the, the show or close out this segment. Is crafting material for a two-man team different than when, or how I guess comparing contrast <clears throat> differences and crafting material for a two-man team versus a solo battle? Yeah, definitely. A lot of difference. Um, you know, one is that everybody's got different writing styles and everybody's got different ways they like to deliver bars. And so you really have to um, you, you have to humble yourself, you know, to like trust your 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 um, your teammate to like, hey, how he delivers lines and writes lines. I'm it might it might be different. It might not be exactly how I would say it or what I want to say there or whatever. And you have to like you have to really humble yourself. and be like, OK, I trust my teammate that like he's at this level because he's that good in this way. You know, let him let him do it his way. Let me you know, let me make my way. And then we have to come to, you know to an agreement to like, here's how we're going to deliver everything. And then you, you know, like there's lines that, you know, you, you might want to say the punchline, but it might be like, Oh, we wrote it this way. And it's, it's better if this guy says the punchline, you know, um, you just got to, got to really be in tune with what your, what your teammates willing to do. I'm a risk taker in battle rap, you know, like, you know, Loso will tell you saga, will tell you uh, different guys will tell you, like, I want to do different things. When me and Loso are repping for two on two battles, I'm calling him like, yo, what, what this crazy idea, you know, let's let's do the part where you know i finished that you finished the sentence and we started this other way and it's like wait what you know what i mean like and then it takes your you know your your teammate to be like all right i trust you you know and it might be a situation where you get on teams with somebody that's you know is a little bit harder to work with 
um, uh, you know, if you don't have, you know, the, the ability or, um, the, you know, the, uh, time and effort to, to, because you live in two different States or whatever, that stuff's different, different too. Um, but like two on twos are supposed to be an all-star game. They're supposed to be fun, you know? And so, um, so ring for your opponents, like you got to really, you got to really hone in and get that chemistry. I think that's one of the big things that Loso and myself succeeded at was like, just even on our first time ever being a two on two, the chemistry that was there, we kind of know each other's writing style. We know where we're going. Um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it, it's also, it's also a, a lot different than writing for a one-on-one battle because you're, you know, you got two people thinking about name flips, two people thinking outside of the box. So. Yeah, and I, I, I want to close on this. Like, I know when we talked about Gnome a couple of weeks ago and I said, man, like, I'm not excited for this event. I was excited to – it's Battle Rap. I'm always excited to watch what, what you guys come up with and the creativity and everything that comes up with it. And I couldn't put my finger on, like, what – why wasn't I excited? And I think you hit on something when I was thinking about, you know, kind of the aftermath of the event or whatever and thinking about discussing it for the show. I think it was the fact that two on twos, like you said, are all star games. And I feel like for me, Gnome. Yeah. And in the in the battle rap group chat, we and I asked this question, and I don't know if he had a chance to see it, like which brand ha- is has produced the better uh content over the years? Has it been Gnome or Summer Impact? And while I do think I know URL says Summer Impact's a Super Bowl of Battle Rap, but I feel like no, Summer Madness, but yeah, go ahead. All right, summer, I'm, yeah, so I'm looking at a Summer Impact fly. Summer yeah. Madness is the Super Bowl of Battle Rap, but I feel like Gnome as a brand in terms of matchups with high stakes, matchups with high narrative content behind it, Gnome has surpassed Summer Madness for me in that regard. I think you think about, you know, when Geechee Gotti takes on Tay, I'm not Tay Rock, Geechee Gotti takes on uh, Surf at Gnome. You have Lux and Verb at Gnome. You have Surf on his return battle taking on nitty um i feel like goods tay rock uh you i think daylight tay rock you have all these different battles that had the culture going crazy either up to or after the battle whether it be for good or bad reasons and i feel like gnome has produced the better content it's produced the better storylines had higher stakes attached to some of these battles and then if you look at like so i'm looking at the summer impact flyer right like no, this is no disrespect to the newer guys, but you look at the matchups on this card and it's all major names. Jazz and official versus E Hart and 40. You got Marvin Quest who are two and two goats versus Suge and Nitty. I'm a Suge and Twerk. Goods and Clips versus John John um and uh uh oh gosh. Hit Hitman, my bad. It's multiple remixes. Sorry, I'm I'm not. Right. So you get, you know, EFB versus NWX, which to me is a classic two on two. Um, unfortunately, you know, the the debacle that was uh, Cal and Mook versus Briz and, and T-Top. But then you have DNA. I'm, I'm sorry. You have Lux and Hollow versus gun titles, which ended up being, you know, guns and cake with one surf got locked up at, near the end. But look at the names I listed. Right. We're talking Mount Rushmore guys. We're talking yeah. email goats female greats like there were no i mean in uh efb it's probably kind of the youngest them in uh dark life which was briz and top like 
And even those guys are vets. But I feel like EFB was probably the only new stars on that card. Everyone else is YouTube era, grind time, smack DVD. You know what I'm saying? And so that's not a diss to the new guys. Because I do want to shout out the new, those new guys for getting known on their resume. And for those who took that time and took that moment, like I said, Swervo, She Happens, Kid Slade, uh, Authentic. My first time ever seeing Authentic rap. I was impressed with what he did. Um, I was, imp- again, Jerry, and and I feel like Jerry is probably going to end up on Summer Madness now. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to have a gnome and a Summer Madness on his resume in the same year. Dope for him. Lou campaigning for a Summer Madness after that performance. So I do want to shout those guys out. And I want to shout out Geechee, Tay Rock, uh, and, and Gun Orthodox. Those guys, you have a tired crowd. It's been a long time. And they still put on, even though yeah. the crowd wasn't always there with them. Um, I feel like the first round from Gun Orthodox, all three were dope, but I feel like that first round was crazy. The BC segment in the second was crazy. And then in the third, you know, Geechee and Tayrock basically just almost like a relay race. Tayrock has like a three-minute segment, and then Geechee follows it up with a three-minute segment. Really dope, really good material that the crowd really enjoyed and they really ate up. So, man, I want to salute those guys for for again putting on for the crowd. They were high. Even that battle, right? It was very friendly, right? There's- yeah, that was a that was a double impact card with a gnome headliner. I mean, that's what it was. Mm, I like that. I like that. Yep. I like that. So, I mean, again, salute to those guys for putting on. Man, I appreciate that. Um, I do want to close the show. I want to make sure I get my uh, – I had this up for a long time. I forgot to take it down. Um, I want to give my YouTube drop of the week um, to Cashflow Rizzy and Shuni the Rapper. This battle went down during uh, the – I think it's the Pandemic 2. Uh, was the name of the card from Bullpen Battle League? I'm I'm completely guessing on that. I could have got it wrong. It was the Pandemic, but I don't know if it was Volume 2, but yeah. All right. Let me let me make sure I get this right. Let me, let me give Bullpen – they're, they're just do and make sure I get it right. Um, you're right. It was the pandemic. It was not pandemic too. I think the pandemic, there was supposed to be a pandemic, but I think it got canceled. Um, yeah, something like that. So the pandemic, bullpen battle lead, cash flow Rizzy versus Shooter the Rapper, a dope back and forth between these two female MCs. I had uh cash flow taking a third, I had Shuni taking the second, and to me that third, that first, it comes down to the first, which is debatable. Um, I edge Shuni, but I could be convinced to to edge it to cash flow on the second watch. So again, if you you know go check it out on YouTube. This is brought to you by All Things Battle Rap. Follow them on Twitter at All Things Bat Rap. They post upcoming matchups and YouTube drops. If you guys really want to support the support the culture, get away from all the foolishness. I know the Battle Rap counter for foolishness has been reset to zero after some of the events that have taken place post uh, Gnome Impact. But if you want to really support the culture, you want to support YouTube drops, go check out those two young ladies and support their work and support Bullpen Battle League. And with that, that has been our show. We appreciate you guys tuning in with us. Please remember, you can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing um, wherever you find the good podcast. Um, you can check us out on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, and IG by searching at Brains and Bars. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, oh, I am AWARMerch.com. Stop. Shop. I'm I'll get it right at some point. I'm awardshop.com for all award merch. Um, until next time, it's been a black and white and white thing, man. I guess uh, go ahead and collect your winnings there. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna put the put the cash app up. So 
if you want to turn into a a uh, a tips hotline, got you. a ward. He's going to have all the over and unders for you for baseball season. He is one and zero on the season. We're go- we're not going to count anything that happened during the Vegas trip. We're going to start today. Start with Sunday. We started beginning this week. I haven't lost yet. I haven't lost this week yet. Undefeated. So call in. Call the hotline. He's got all the hot tips for you in terms of who to bet overs and unders for baseball season. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys next week, man. Y'all be. Deuces.